Grace and peace to you from God and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. In Lewis Carroll's wonderful children's book, Through the Looking Glass, the White Queen gives Alice in Wonderland a bit of advice. The Queen tells Alice to practice believing six impossible things before breakfast. During the season of Advent, these four seasons waiting in celebration for the celebration of Christmas, we would do well to listen to the words of the White Queen. How else are we to hear the outrageous promise that the desert will bloom, that rough places will be made smooth, that God will somehow enter the wilderness of our lives? How can we stay attuned to hear Mary's response of yes to that outrageous proposal by Gabriel? How else are we to trust that Jesus would abandon his authority, trading it for diapers and a cattle stall? When we read these ancient prophecies from the book of Isaiah or listen to the story of Elizabeth, and the angel and Mary, it does seem as if we are believing six impossible things before breakfast, or maybe today before lunch. The gospel lesson recorded in Luke, in it Mary has just learned that her relative Elizabeth is pregnant with the forerunner of Christ, the great John the Baptist. She embarks on a journey from Galilee to Judea in a time when there was no uh, public transportation or even something as fabulous as a skateboard. And when she gets to the home, Elizabeth gives her a greeting because when Elizabeth hears Mary's voice, that babe within her leaps in her womb, I think a rather normal occurrence for a, a mother to be. I don't know that I felt them leaping, but they definitely responded whenever the organist would play. The word used by the gospel writer to portray the experience of leaping is the word skirtin. It is translated to mean that exultant, jubilant cry of victory and joy when God liberates you. That leaping looks into the future with joy because one is in the very presence of a God who frees. Elizabeth's baby leaps for joy as these two women experience a moment of, of hope, a moment pregnant with the promise of liberation and freedom. Ancient promises are about to be fulfilled. Yet mind you, this leaping occurs in a time of waiting. It might not be that kind of waiting that prompts you to try to do whatever you can to get to the end of it, kind of like how we feel right before finals week. That time when you're waiting in such a way that you're scurrying about just to get to the end of it all. No, this kind of waiting is more a heightened, visceral activity of your senses to adjust what you see and hear so that you can really pay attention to what's happening right in front of you. And oh my, much is happening. Baron Elizabeth is fertile, and a young maid responds with a resounding yes 
to the angel's proclamation. Barbara Brown Taylor, in her fabulous book, I'd recommend that you read it over the holiday Christmas break if you haven't. It's a book called An Altar in the World, says of Mary that what was unusual about her was her reliability. No matter what life pitched at her, she did not duck. Waiting. Do you like to wait? I don't. Waiting is a kind of open room for me. Sometimes I wait for something to come, to happen. I wait expectantly with bated breath. This is the kind of waiting that I experience in my body when I'm standing at the ocean's edge, looking out at that expanse. It's also what I have experienced when I've been driving in eastern Washington or trying to go through Montana. You have to wait a long time to get through that state. But it's the sky. The sky is so open and big, it seems as if anything can happen with the sky is full of magic. Yes, I'm only a small part of that vast universe, but that open sky or that open water draws me to hope and expectation. There is another room of waiting that I experience. It happened to me every December when I used to live in North Dakota. It was a kind of waiting where my my chest would just tighten up. I felt like I was having a heart attack. It happened about 3.45 in the afternoon. I would be at the kitchen sink looking to the west and, and the sun, it was almost at the horizon's edge and I knew that that dark, cold, North Dakota wintry night was coming. That kind of waiting filled me with dread. Now we who live in the Northern Hemisphere recognize darkness like that. We experience it now when the nights become long and the daytime hours are so short. Yet I suspect that every one of us knows a different kind of wrestling with the darkness in his or her life. The fear of failure, the fear of separation or death, the burden of grief or hopelessness, the knowledge that as much as we try, our our lives are kind of crummy in some ways in the sense of what we do or say or think or act. There are times when we wait with burdens too deep for words. I'm acutely aware of the power of waiting as I interact with my mom, who is 88 years of age. Even before she fell this fall and was hospitalized and now resides in a skilled nursing home, she was a woman who would wait. When I was visiting her at Brighton Gardens or she was at my home, I would often catch her in these moments of conversation with herself. She would bow her head. She was sitting a lot. She would start massaging her scalp, something that she used to do when I was a child and I enjoyed tremendously, but I didn't realize how much she enjoys having her own head massaged. And then she would start to speak. And this is kind of what she would say. I'm alive today. 
Someday I will die. I don't know when. People live, people die. And when I die, I will see God and... And then she would list off this whole communion of saints, this church triumphant. She would list my dad and her parents. And every once in a while, I'd hear a random person. I have no idea who they were. Sisters, brothers, people in a church community. And then she would finish this conversation by saying these words that would take my breath away. They were so startling to hear in their honesty and conviction. She would say, but today I am not dead. I am alive. And then my favorite words, I will live today. That is a remarkable kind of waiting, don't you think? to be in that wide open room of hope and anticipation, to have something within your grasp, seeing that God's promises are going to come true for you, that promise of eternal life, but not today. To wait with both a sober judgment and a feisty kind of gratitude and joy. Like Mary, my mother does not duck. With the Thanksgiving season behind us and this lovely season of waiting for finals to come and the end of the semester, maybe it feels like 345 for you. This might be the last message that you want to hear today, but I think it's Mary's word to us as she embodies that the word that she embodies in her flesh. Like her, we wait in hope, fully attuned, pain, attention, in readiness for a future which we cannot bring to pass. Like her, we say yes to God's intrusion into our lives, asking us to bear Christ to our neighbor. For God is on the loose. God will break into our waiting to meet us wherever we are in our life in those moments of both darkness and light. Who would have thought that God would ask this of us to bear Christ to our neighbor. Maybe this is my mother's word to us today as well. Perhaps we can say with her, I am not dead today. I am alive. I will live today. Perhaps with her we can hear God's promise to never leave or forsake us this God who is with us both today and on to the end of the age. Perhaps we can sense God's intrusion into our own lives to live this day to the fullest, to be aware that like Mary, we too bear Christ in our bodies, to bear Christ to the world. So welcome to the wide open room of Advent waiting. May you look into the future with joy because you sense that you are in the presence of a promise-keeping God who knows how to free. Amen.